Thank you. Amen. Come on, say it's a new season. I believe that. I believe God is calling us deeper like we sang this morning. I believe God is calling us to step into things we've never been before. And I really want to encourage you. It's not, don't think locational. Don't think God is calling me. Every time we think season, we're like, oh, God is calling me away. Maybe not. He can do a new season in your seat. Because this, this city doesn't need you to leave. The city needs you to get it. The city needs your voice. The city needs your voice. And thank God for wherever God may call you, but be in the moment now. You know, never, you know, the enemy is such a liar. So many times he'll make you, you know, so many times if we're not careful, we always long for the next season, but we never fully engage in the one we are in. I'm telling you, you will never get to your next season until you, with all your heart, with all your soul, embrace the now. Because could it be that there are still things that God is wanting to shape in your life right now before you get to the next? But know this, that the next is not any more valuable than the now. Everything that God calls to do, everything that God has you to do, Robert, is big. We determine what's big and what's small and what's important. But I want to tell you everything that God says is important. And he's setting you up on purpose. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy and get you so focused on your next that you forget about your now. Because your next will never come until you fully, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, embrace the now. The now. Come on, say the now. Because, you know, I, I, I fell into that trap years ago. That the enemy, because I, I can be honest with you guys this morning, right? We can be honest, right? Because if you want the Lord to help you, you got to be honest. Okay, does anybody show a hand? You, 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 you have not had it all together at times. Anybody? Any friends in the house? Okay. The rest of you, your hands down. You guys are perfect. And apparently you need to preach. So I'm kidding. But I believe, man, that uh, years ago I used to, that I would allow the enemy to lie to me. He would get me so focused on the next that I wouldn't fully embrace the now. Pastor Mark and I used to have many conversations about this. You know? It's so great when you can have conversations with somebody that you can grow together with and you need that. And so we've talked each other off the cliff many times, haven't we? Just because you're called doesn't mean you question things, you know, but you can't give up. You keep going. You keep going. And there's nothing wrong with asking questions saying, God, what are you doing? But don't stop. As Journey would say, don't stop believing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not a Christian song. <laughs> Holy Spirit, come back. But I just feel there's some people in the room that I'm telling you, you have a new season coming and you got to quit thinking about next. You got to start thinking about now. You are a tree. The Bible says in Psalms that a tree will be planted among the waters, that it would bear fruit in its season. Trees go through many seasons, yet they do not move. I'm not saying that God wouldn't call you to go do something at some point. He'll call you when you're ready. A lot of times we think we're ready for the next. And God says, you ain't ready. You think you're ready, but you, you think you're ready. And there's so many times that I thought I was ready years ago. And I look back now, I'm thinking, I wasn't even ready. I used to want to pursue things thinking that this is what I wanted to do. And it's amazing when you really surrender your life and on your knees, I surrender. And you truly surrender everything to God. It's amazing how you can look back five years. You can look back from five years ago and say, thank God I stayed. Thank God I didn't sell out. Come on. Thank God I didn't. I didn't go that that cheap route. I used to want to, you know, I was in a Christian band and we used to travel and yada yada and play these stupid big shows. And we used to think it was cool and stuff. And I used to want to do that. But the closer I got to God, I realized that was me and not God. And the closer you get to God, you realize you get truth. And I remember walking off the largest stage that I ever 
did music on, and I walked off empty. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, how'd you feel about that? Because he was calling me for more. He wasn't calling me to entertain people. Because Chris, people don't need to be entertained. They need the word of God and the presence of God. And I, and I just get really bold this morning. Can we get bold in this place? I'm tired of the world having a louder voice than the church. Why does the world's artists have the biggest platforms? Why does the world's actors have the most money? Why isn't the time that the church begin to rise up and truly act like God in the earth and have a voice of boldness? Why does Justin Bieber and all these people who have such a, a, a platform, and I'm not knocking people, but what I'm saying is if we're not careful, the world is more bold than the church at times. And it is time that the children of God rise up, that you are a child of God, that his spirit is in you, that greater is he that is in you, that God needs your voice. And it's okay to be bold. Jesus was bold. And he had haters and he had people that loved him. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to follow God, you're going to have people, you're going to have both. You're going to have people that love you and you're going to have people that talk about you. But I'm telling you, if you're going to do something for the kingdom of God, you're going to have some haters. And unfortunately, sometimes they're your neighbors. Not that we're trying to offend people, man, but Chris, I want, I want to be everything God wants me to be. And I just realized not everybody's going to get it or understand it. And, not, and the higher you climb your mountain of destiny, people can't hang with you. Not that you're better. But the higher you climb a mountain, I love mountain climbing. Um, I, I sometimes imagine that I'm Bear Grylls, if you know him. I wish. But, you know, I have, I have a desire. I'm going to climb Everest one day. I just love outdoors. You put me in a tent. You probably didn't realize that, but I love the outdoors. But the thing I realized, the higher you climb a mountain, the harder it is to breathe because the air begins to get thinner. And the higher you climb your destiny of God, you realize there's certain people that can't go up to the mountain with you. And it's not that you're better than them. It's not that you don't love them. But some people just can't go where you're going. And that's okay. And we have to be willing to walk away from people and relationships. I wasn't planning on going here, but we are. Not again, not that we're better. That's not it. Not that I'm trying to be better. But there are certain people that I can't hang out with anymore because they're not pointing me towards the things of God. If all you want to do is talk about TV and the greatest series on television and the new Marvel movie, I'm not knocking these things, but life is more than that. I want to know God and I want to know his voice and I want to see the miracles that Jesus did. I want to see the dead raised. I want to see the blind eyes open. I want to see the miracles. Anybody here? Come on. I don't want to just be a casual Christian that the world can't tell me about. Jesus was completely different and they couldn't understand him. They couldn't put him in a box and they tried to control him, but you can't control the kingdom. It'll bust out of the box because it is no box. Religion will put you in a box. And I'm telling you, God is telling you, it's time to rise up. It's time to talk differently. It's time to speak differently. It's time to think differently. It's time to rise. You sang it this morning. Something shackles, I will rise. Whatever that song was. Robert sang it way better, wherever he's at. But it's time to rise. Valdosta does not need another church that just knows scripture. Valdosta does not need another church that knows about the Bible. Valdosta needs a people that not just know about God, but know him, that know him. Listen, I don't want to just know about God. I don't want to just know about him like a historical figure. I don't want to just preach. I, I want to know him. I want to hear his voice. Come on. I want to I want to sense his presence. I want him to be so close that when I wake up in the morning, I say, good morning, Holy Spirit, that he's here and he's one with me. He's not my Sunday God. He's not my Wednesday God, but he's my everyday God. I don't want to pump you up to have a better church service because that's not what God also needs. God also needs this church service to get out these doors and be the church and sound like the church and sound like Jesus in the schools. Sound like Jesus. Come on, everybody can shout. That's what I want to get you. Here we go. Listen. Say, here we go. Here we go. Am I walking too much? Who cares? Let's walk. Can you hear me okay? 
I'm a singer, so you can bring me up, do it. If not, it's okay, cool. But here's the thing. It's time to read. It's, it's, mm, mm. it's time to get our voice back. It's time. And for some people, it's time to discover your voice. That's really what God is saying this morning. I preached this series on this a few months ago, and God completely made me really uncomfortable this weekend because he's changing. You know, I can't just come here and say, I'm going to preach this. I really got to say, God, what is it that they need? You know, I'm not. I'm not going to just go through my notes and say, I preached this two weeks ago. This sounds good. I, God, if you want me to preach this, great. If you don't, great. Whatever. I want What you need is what he has for you now. Amen? And so I want to encourage you that it's time to rediscover your voice. I say that because some of you haven't even found your voice yet. Now, I'm not talking about singers. You say, thank God. Because some of y'all don't need to sing. Okay? So that's, and that's okay. Let, let Robert take care of that. And the wonderful worship team, come on, give, give you some, make some noise for your worship team, Sarah and the other people. Let them handle the singing, okay? Um, but whether you feel like you can sing or not, you need to discover your voice. This is not American Idol, okay? This is not, but you, you have a voice, and it's a voice of authority. It's a voice of the sons and the daughters of God. The greatest thing the enemy can do to lie to you is feel like your voice is unimportant. And there's a new season for some people in this room. And I'm telling you, I'm going to title my series. If you, have a, if you have a pen, you can write this down. If you don't have one, steal one from your neighbor. Title this message, In the Middle. There's some people in this room this morning that you're in the middle. Now, I want you to know this. Being in the middle is not a bad place. And don't feel like, I'm going to explain this. I'm not talking about you're in the middle like you're, you know, you're lukewarm. You're not on fire for God or, you know, you're on the fence. You're not really all in. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'll explain that. Come on, say in the middle. Being in the middle is not a bad or wrong place. It doesn't even mean you failed or that you're behind. In fact, there's nothing wrong with being in the middle. But, come on, say but. But what you do while you are in the middle is very important. What, I'm, what do I mean by in the middle? When I say in the middle, I'm referring to the position, come on, that you find yourself when you are in between what God said he would do in your life and what you do not see yet. You're in the middle. God told you. God had his, his plan for you. God told you a promise. And yet you do not see it. And you're walking your journey out called life. And you're somewhere in the middle. I'm telling you, what you do in the middle is extremely important. As believers, where we miss it is in the middle. Anybody can praise God when you've got a word. Anybody can praise God when the word comes to pass. But my question to you, church, is what are you doing in the middle? When it doesn't seem like God's answers are coming through. When it doesn't seem like your sickness will be healed. What are you doing when you don't see your destiny being fulfilled? What do you do in the middle when it seems like everything is going crazy and everything is falling apart? What are you doing in the middle? This is where we miss it. This is where we fail. And this is where we get off. This is when we leave church. This is when we jump seasons. Come on. This is when we say, I guess God is finished with me. God is not finished with you. Because God will put you right in the middle of the storm because he believes what his spirit has put inside you. I'm here to tell you, your storm does not get God's attention. Your sickness does not get his attention. Your issues, your drama, your crazy family does not get. And I've got them. Dear God, I've got them. You guys seen Jerry Springer? Don't raise your hand because we find out who's really, you know, I'm kidding. I've got them. Crazy family members. But, you know, that doesn't get my God's attention. The sickness that you've been battling with, that is not from God. Know that. It's not getting his attention. You know what gets his attention? It's faith. Yeah. 
God has no problem sending you out to the middle of the storm because he knows what you're made of. You're made of him. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. I'm telling you, you have the greater one inside of you if you are born again. Anybody born again in this place? Come on, any, any believers? We got three. Okay, great. We got three believers. Mark, we're going to have to do some work in here. So let me give you a quick example. Our church back home, St. Augustine, is in the middle. God has commissioned us to believe God for a mall. Way more than we can handle at the moment. Way more of a price tag than we have. And we're believing God for a mall. You say, why do you want a mall? We don't want a mall. God does. So I don't want to. We don't want a mall. Who wants a mall? But it's up to us if God put it on our heart. Did I ever want to do music and praise and worship and preach? Heck no. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. But the closer I got to God, I realized, it's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to do your own thing and be unsatisfied and depressed? Or are you going to get into what I've called you to do and fulfill the call of God on your life and truly find peace and happiness? Nothing will satisfy you like the plan of God for your life. Don't sell out, church. Don't sell out. I almost did many years ago. Many years ago. But I haven't looked back since. I actually had an experience on a couch in a garage in 2004. In fact, I wrote it in my Bible. It was September the 4th, 2004 is when I stopped selling out. And I was a believer, by the way, too. Just know that. But I realized, God, my plans are nothing compared to your plans. Help me to fall in love with you, not me. Can, can we be honest this morning? So, come on, say in the middle. So our, our church is in the middle. In other words, God said you're going to acquire this property. And the final, and we still have 400 something thousand bajillion dollars left to, <laughs> to uh, we, you know, we, it was a million dollars that we've been raising. And we have 400 and something thousand dollars left. 407,000, thank you. Which is a lot of money. Plus closing costs. So a lot of money. More than we have. More than it's in the bank. More that's comfortable. And more that you want to have to deal with in the natural. But right now we're in the middle. And what we do in the middle right now is very, very, very important. It's not up to God or not if we get the mall. It's really up to us. And what I mean by that is God said something. And so what are you doing in the middle when it seems like God's promise is not coming through? What do you do when, when, you, when God has given you a dream for youth ministry and it's here, but yet you know God has put this in your heart and it hasn't happened yet? I'm telling you, what we do in the middle is extremely important. This is where we make it or break it, win or lose. Everything is lost in the middle. Anybody can shout when someone says, God has called you, hallelujah, and it's going to happen. You're like, praise God. But six months later or a year or two later, three years later when it hasn't happened, what are we doing? Are we still shouting? Are we still thanking God? Are we still passionate or are we falling apart because we don't see it? What you do in the middle is very important. Is this helping you so far? So God told me to tell you that there was a new season that he is wanting to take you into. And here it is. It's a season of the, it's a season of discovering your voice. God has taken some people in this room into a new season. Quit thinking singing. That's not what I'm talking about. He's taking you to a new season. It's a season of discovery. And it's a season of discovering your voice. But not just a voice, because the world doesn't just need another voice. What they need is a voice of the kingdom. Anybody in this section say amen? Help me out. Okay, thank you. High five. We can talk this morning. It's okay. If anybody needs to talk, it's us. I'm, t- I'm not talking about a loud, annoying voice and just trying to be loud. That's not. God doesn't want you just to be loud. God wants you to be impactful. Come on. Intentional. A voice of authority. I mean, the world does not need to have a louder voice than the kingdom of God. 
Robert, we, it is time that we get a voice, not just a voice, a voice that blends, but a voice that cuts above the noise. Because there is a lot of noise. Just turn on CNN. Turn on Fox News. Turn on the television. Turn on Christian music. I said it. Turn it. And at times, there's a lot of noise. But God doesn't just want noise. God wants something that's going to penetrate through the chaos. And Jesus didn't do He wasn't just a noise. He was a voice. And people couldn't understand where's this voice coming from. This is not like anything we've seen. He speaks. Remember, they said it was, he was like one having authority. They couldn't understand him. He was not like the normal. And I'm telling you, you are not normal. In fact, you're completely unnormal. You're supernatural. If you are a child of God. Okay, someone say in the middle. Anybody born again in here? Okay, good. We got more people. Getting saved as we go. Amen. Okay, therefore, let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is still my intro. So we got some... Come on, are you expecting this morning? Come on, I want you to get something. I'm telling you, I believe it's a new season. I'm not just saying, I promise you, I'm not going to waste your time and just preach something that sounds good. I really believe there was a new season for some people in this room. And we're going to get there this morning. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? Come on, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, the new has come. Is anybody thankful that things have been passed away in your life? Past relationship, past dramas, past bad decisions. We can all raise our hands on that. But First Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. You can turn to it or we've got a wonderful screen up here. Two of them, in fact, that you can follow along. First Peter 2.9. Are we there? I'll read it. It says this, but you are a chosen. There we go. Come on. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Come on, say I'm special. You are a people belonging to God. That you may declare where we at. That you may declare, this one says proclaim, I'm reading from a different translation, it says, but this one says that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right here, God has given you permission to declare. God has given you right here, he says, by you are, you are my chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his owner, my people. He says, and that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. So we've been called out of darkness, right? And I'm here to tell you, if you have, God has given you permission to say something. God has given you authority and special permission to say something. Your voice is vitally important now. Declare means to formally announce the beginning of. You know, at the very beginning of time, God showed us the very importance of proclaiming something. In the very beginning of time, it says, let's just go to real quickly, real quickly. Let's go to um, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11. And we're about to jump in some things. Say, so here we go. We'll say we're about to go. Hebrews 11, 1. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. By faith, we understand that the universe, or in other words, the world was formed at what? At God's command. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So we understand that what we see was not made out of what God had. 
This whole world that we know was created by what? A word. In the beginning, there was a problem. And the problem was called darkness. How did God deal with that problem? Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. And there was. In the very beginning of time, there was a problem. Because darkness is a problem. Because can't we all agree that light is better? In the very beginning of time, there was a problem called darkness. And look how God dealt with the darkness. He spoke. He didn't just say... He spoke. I'm telling you, there was a power in your words. The enemy wants you to lose your voice. The enemy wants you to question your voice. But I'm here to encourage you this morning that it's time to start speaking because we've already read. You are a child of God. You are God's special people. The Bible says you are purchased by the precious, come on, blood of Jesus Christ. God has given you permission not to blend, but to say something, to be a voice of authority, to be a voice of clarity, not to be an echo like so many are, but to be a true voice. And how do we stop the darkness in our life? It's time to speak. Maybe you have some darkness in your marriage. Maybe you have some darkness in your finances. Come on. Maybe you have some darkness about your destiny. You're not understanding. Maybe you have some darkness called sickness. I'm here to tell you there is a cure and it's called your voice. God gave us the example from the beginning of time. Darkness was not a good thing, but he spoke life into it. He said, let there be light. And I'm telling you, your voice, church, not your singing voice, not your voice that we sing in service, because anybody can shout in service. What God is concerned is, are you shouting outside of service? That's where I'm going this morning. Anybody can praise God when a band's going, right? We're all just jumping and excited and it sounds good, but I'm telling you, it was not meant to stay in this room. If you can shout on Sunday, then I'm telling you, we have got to learn to lift our voice on Monday, on Tuesday, in the middle, when we're not seeing it and we're questioning everything. The world does not need a better worship team in service. What they need is somebody who can lift their voice outside of the service. Now, I'm not talking about being weird and crazy and going to your job and saying, ah, just screaming. And that's not what I'm saying. Don't be weird. Okay, we've all seen them. We all have those weird, you know, I had one lady who used to bring me to, always bring me to church when I was younger and she was weird. You know, that's not what I'm talking about being weird, but I am talking about that we shouldn't blend. What I mean is the world should know you're different by the way you talk. Not because you say holy things and have a King James accent, but there's something about your speech that's just not normal. That when they hear you talk and they hear the jokes that you don't laugh at and they hear the language that you don't use and they see the fact that you're actually honoring your boss when he is an idiot and you are and you are and you are showing up on time. Come on. And you're serving as unto the Lord and you're not serving man, but you're truly showing up with honor and respect and you're working as unto the Lord and you're working hard and you're being diligent and you're being faithful and you're not gossiping. I'm telling you that will stand out in a dark world. And that is what we start need. We need to start doing. It's not time to look like the world. The kingdom doesn't blend. It's completely different. I spit on you. I'm sorry. The kingdom does not blend. It doesn't blend. You can't fit the kingdom in your life. You can't fit the call of God upon your life. He will mess up your life if you let him. He will send you across the world, make you believe God for crazy things. And where we miss it is in the middle. This is helping you. I'm under, oh man, I got, I got a couple stories this morning. Woo! All right. 
I want to look at a few individuals in the Bible who had in the middle moments. As a believer, I've had many in the middle moments. There was a season that I, I, I moved to Florida. If I can just be vulnerable with you or honest, whatever you say, how you say it. Um, there was a season that God, I worked for a company. You know, I moved to Florida in 2004, left everything that I knew and helped start Anchor Faith Church with my pastor. Um, I left home, you know, it wasn't like, you know, it was comfortable. I lived at home. Parents were fantastic. They paid for everything. And so, you know how it works. Um, but I left Florida and moved to, I left Oklahoma, anyways, moved to Florida and we started the church. And you know, when you start a church, you don't automatically have a job. You know, it's not like I moved here. He's like, hey, you're here. Here's, here's $80,000 a year. You know, there wasn't, but there was a need, but there was no. So I had to go out and work. Crazy, huh? <laughs> And so I was a server for a year and did this different stuff and it was great. And God blessed me because I was supposed to be here. And then I came on with a company a couple years after that and quickly shot up the the ranks. um, Not because I was educated, but but because I was called. And because I was seeking first the kingdom of God. And I got a job that my boss literally sat down one day and said, how did you get this job? Because I don't have a college degree. I went to Bible school, which means... Not a lot, okay? You know, I got a Rhema Bible school. You're like, who? What? You know, but I, I got a job in management and they, you know, paid me a great salary, gave me a car, and they're wondering how I'm here. You know, but it was God. Now, I don't say this to brag, but I do want to give honor to God because it was Him. It was the point is I was making great money, more money than, you know, I don't know, it's only my, my second job so <laughs> ever in my life. So more money than I've ever made in my life, you know? And uh, I was working this job. And um, I, I knew that it was time to quit. I worked there for years and I knew it was time to quit. And the Lord, you know, has a funny way of, of testing us. Six months before he told me to quit, he told me to buy a house. You know, it's really easy to buy a house when you have a great job. You know, they look at your paychecks and they look at your whatever and debt to ratio income. And, you know, yeah, we give you this mortgage. And so they gave me a mortgage. One week later, I quit my job. After I got my mortgage, my mortgage company was like, they didn't understand. It. I got called an idiot. But I knew God told me to step out. And there was a season, you know, because the enemy is so great how he'll come. When, when God will give you something, it's amazing how the enemy comes right alongside and sets on your shoulder and will lie to you if you let him. And God told me to quit. But then I'm thinking, well, what about my house? What about my kids? You know, you know you've been to loop these things in your head and you see you dying on the side of the road and them taking your home. Right? So I quit and I had no job, but I still had a mortgage. I had no job, no savings, you know, because I blew it all. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But I had I had no reserves. I had no reserves. God said, step out. And I did. And my wife and I prayed about it and it was right. And so there was a season of me stepping out. And God told me it's time to step out into full time ministry. But yet there was no position available for full time ministry. It wasn't that the church said, hey, if you quit in a week, I'll give you a job. That didn't happen. But I was stepping out in a word and there was a a season of being in the middle. That God said, it's time to move. It's time to step into what I've called you to do. I'm like, God, I don't have a job. God says, so? Why do you want Abraham? He said, go. And God is looking for people who would just go at go and let God fill in the details. Because if God will tell you to go, I'm telling you, if he truly says go, he will fill in the details. And where we try to mess it up as believers, we try to figure everything out and get super creative. Like, well, you know, okay, so I can quit here. And I'm going to say, just go. 
I'm not saying step out not on a word because that's that's foolish. I'm saying step out on what God said. And so God said, and so I stepped out and I had no job. And I'm telling you, there was a supernatural peace that was just in our life at that moment. I couldn't explain it. It's like the Bible says it's unexplainable peace that surpasses understanding, you know. And within two weeks, someone sowed a significant seed towards us that put us full time. I had no idea that was happening. All reason I bring that up is not to say, look at me, but I'm saying there was a middle season of me questioning everything, thinking, dear God, what have I done? I just bought a house. I couldn't tell my parents. You know what I'm saying? You can't tell them because some people can't handle your move of God. Listen, that's why you that's why you get intimidated. You can't tell everybody what God is telling you to do because not everybody is going to understand it. And if you listen to them, they will talk you out of God's plan for your life. And some of your family members, you love them, but you need to not tell them anything. Now, I'm not talking about hiding things. But what I'm saying, there are just certain people that can't handle certain situations. They love you, but they couldn't handle that because they see that's my boy. God is going to take care of us. I'm in the middle right now, and it looks like I'm going to lose everything, but I'm standing on what God said. And so what I do right now is extremely important. My next will come, not because it's God's fault or mine. If it doesn't come, it's my fault because God already said it would come. The children of Israel wandered 40 years in the middle and they missed it. How long did it take them to get there in reality? Like seven day journey. But they died in the middle. Come on, say I'm not going to die in the middle. So David, can we go to David this morning? Good Lord, you guys have taken so much of my time. Okay. I want to look at an individual in the Bible who had an in-the-middle moment. Can I lose the jacket? Is that okay? Okay, let's lose it. There you go. Okay, I want to look at someone in the Bible. Let's go to Psalms 34, verse 1. This is going to be our key text for a little bit. Psalms 34, verse 1. This is such a cute verse, such a great verse. We read it, but I want to understand, when you read the Bible, before you just take it and put it on your fridge and confess it, find out where it came from. Because sometimes we grab scriptures and we need to grab them. But we got to find out where it came from because it's more powerful when you can find out the context that it came. Here we have this wonderful, cute scripture. It's not IW. It says I will. So but it says here we go. I will. Let's let's just follow along. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, come on, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Doesn't that sound great and cute? And it just sounds like a great, encouraging wake-up scripture. And it is a powerful scripture. I'm not knocking, but I'm telling you, this came at a very difficult time for David. This scripture did not come. This song that he wrote, his voice that he discovered did not come when the bills were paid. It did not come on the mountain when the birds were singing. You know, uh, you know the movie Enchanted? You've seen that movie? Maybe not. Okay, maybe not. This verse did not come at a moment when everything was together and God's plan made sense for them. In fact, this verse, this song that the king wrote came at a very difficult time when he would have probably was honestly questioning the call of God upon his life. But what David did in this moment got him to his next moment. And I'm telling you, some of you are in a moment. And if you're not careful and if you don't change the way you speak, you will die in your moment. I'm not saying physical death. But God has taken you to a new season. And right now you're in the middle. 
That's what I feel in my spirit this morning. There are some people in the middle. God has said something and you're here. And I want to encourage you. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep standing. Keep believing. Keep believing. Keep standing. Keep believing. Because you will see the next. Okay. So we have this wonderful song. But I want to tell you where this came from. I'm going to paraphrase the life of David quickly. But we know that David was anointed by Samuel at a young age. The Bible doesn't really say the age, but we, we think it's somewhere between he was 10 to 15 years old. We do know that he was a young boy, right? Remember when the prophet Samuel came to the town? David was number eight. He wasn't even invited to the party. All seven of the boys passed before the prophet. Think about David. David, where was David? He was in the field. The field of obscurity, the field of faithfulness, the field that nobody knew his name, that the fact that they didn't even think he was worthy to come. But the prophet comes by and he says, this ain't it, this ain't it. And he's like, oh, this guy isn't God's like, no, 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 don't look at the outward. We know this. For God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the inward. Amen. Because what you see is not really what is you're seeing. And so we know that at this moment, David was anointed king, anointed king at a young age. Right. So he was anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. He was 10 to 15 years old. And so after this, you know, David is on assignment. A couple of chapters after we hear, you know, I know you guys did a cheese and battle, cheese and giants. It's cool. You know, series and David is on assignment. Just little taking his lunchables to his brothers. Here's a king taking lunch, not even invited to the battle. Think about this. Read the Bible. David was anointed king, and then he's like a whipping boy to send food and crackers to his brothers and check on them. And he's on assignment. Thank God he didn't stop in the middle. Thank God he didn't. Thank God he showed up to work that day. Thank God he didn't get up and say, are you kidding me? I'm a king, bro. I've been anointed. You see what happened when Samuel came? No, no. He got up. He was faithful and he got up and he took some cheese. And as he was on his assignment, he heard Goliath talking trash. Thank God he showed up to work that day. Sometimes you just need to show up because you don't understand what's next for you. You question everything in the middle and we get frustrated because we don't see it. But if you would just show up in faith, I'm telling you, maybe God would speak to you about your next so he shows up and hears about this and all of a sudden, you know, people love him. People hate him. Because remember, if you're going to follow God and get to your next season, you're going to have some lovers and some haters. His brothers hated him. What are you doing? Who do you think you are? King Saul's like, seriously, bro. OK, come on. Fine. So King Saul, you know, puts his armor on, you know, the whole story. He defeats Goliath. Right. And all of a sudden now David is like the 10. I don't, we don't know how old he is at this time, but he is the champion of Israel. You know, people are singing his songs. This is a really great time for David. You know, they're saying, you know, you know, Saul is killed as one thousand. David is killed as ten thousand. You know, they're singing. And on the next day, on the next day, on the next day, he kills Goliath. The Bible says on the next day, Saul had a jealous eye towards him and wanted to kill him. Yeah. Woo! That's some highs and some lows. Everybody loves you. Now the king of Israel wants to kill you. And we know the next season of the king is on the run for his life. He finds a relationship, a godly brother called Jonathan. And the Bible says their heart were knit together because they were best friends. And they begin to encourage each other. And you know that story and you read the story and it's like, it'd be a great movie. I mean, it's been a movie, but like, you know, I really need to make a good one. Not a cheesy Hallmark one, but like, okay, thank you. We love Christian movies, but we're getting better. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you read the story, we know that David... And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I know who's in the room tonight this morning. We're usually church folks, so I'm not trying to skip issues on purpose. But David was anointed, but he was on the run for his life because Saul wanted to kill him because they saw the call of God on his life and he couldn't control it. I want you to understand that the people in your life that 
They don't understand the call of God in your life. And so that's why they're speaking against you. And that's why they talk about you. But I'm telling you, you can't stop what God has called. Only you can stop in the middle. And the enemy wants you to stop in the middle. And so David, he defeats Saul. And we know that him and Jonathan become close. And then Saul realizes that. And then Saul's even more jealous and tries to kill David. And Saul, Jonathan's like, bro, you got to get out of here. Seriously, you're going to die if you don't get out. And so for the next season, David is on the run. Listen, a king who's been anointed is on the run. God, what are you doing with my life? You've called me to be the next king. You've anointed me. I mean, I killed Goliath. They wrote songs about me. And now I'm running in the field and nobody knows my name and I'm running for my life. And I'm and that's a pretty dark moment, right? If anybody had a moment to question God, what are you doing? It could have been David, right? He's running for his life, questioning probably everything. People are leaving him. His family has left him. A king, a king is on the run. His destiny seems to be delayed. God said something at the beginning, but yet there's a season of it not happening. It wasn't until, just so you know, it wasn't 15 years later until he was anointed king when he was 30 years old. There was a season of 15 years in the middle. But I'm telling you, what David did in the middle was significant. And I'm here to tell you what you do in the middle is everything. And so David's on the run and here's the next king of Israel and he finds himself in a cave. The cave of Adullam. Here's a king sleeping in a dirty, wet, nasty cave. God, what are you doing? That'd be a great place to ask that question, right? God, seriously, how come I'm not in a palace yet? Let's ask the questions that you would probably ask. God, my ministry was supposed to be this. What's going on? But notice God didn't come down and save him. God didn't send an angel say, listen, I love you. No. So here we have a king in a cave running for his life. And here we have verse Sam, first Samuel 22. This is the story. First Samuel 22 verses one. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father and his household heard about it, they went down to him there. But all those who were with him were distressed or in debt or discontented, discontented, and they gathered around him and he became their commander. There was about 400 men with him. So in other words, here's a king found him running for his life and about 400 broken, indebted, you know, People with a lot of drama is surrounding themselves around him. He's probably thinking, seriously, I'm in a cave and now I've got 400 broken men with me. God, what are you doing? I mean, come on, think of it. This is a great opportunity. God, they're trying to kill me. I'm in a cave. What are you doing, God? But David gives the solution. Then this song comes around. Go back to Psalms 34. This is where this song came out of. Out of a cave. My question is, when is the last time you wrote a song in a cave? When is the last time you wrote a song when nothing seemed to make sense? Because the very thing that's going to get you out of your cave is your voice. I'm here to tell your miracle is in your mouth this morning. It's not in me laying my hands on you. Because I'm not going to lay hands on you this morning because that's not going to help you. What's going to help you is you learning to lift your voice and shouting to God and speaking to God and declaring the promises of God in a cave. If you can't write a song in a cave, then you'll never write a song outside of a cave. 
We're looking for the perfect opportunity to step out and believe God. I'm telling you, the greatest opportunity to step out is now. And so here's David, and he says this, and he sings, and he begins to write this song in a nasty cave, probably hasn't showered, not making sense, around some crazy people. And he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Come on, this was not a good time to bless the Lord. This did not seem convenient. I'm here to tell you, your praise is not convenient. This did not seem like a great time to pull the guitar out and sing. It factly seemed like a great time to cuss or complain or get on Facebook. You ain't talking. Whatever. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, in other words, not just on Sunday. And he says, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. And he says, come on, he gets his, he gets his homies together. He says, come on, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Magnified means to make greater in actual size, to seem something more greater. What David did is in the cave, he began to magnify the very thing. Of who is he? He wasn't complaining and crying and shouting to his problems. He began to write a song. And magnify the Lord. Here we have a king in a cave and he writes a song. I'm here to tell you, write this down. You can't wait for a good opportunity to bless the Lord. You make one. You can't wait for a perfect opportunity to bless the Lord. You got to make one. You got to say, you know, I understand this does not seem like a great opportunity right now. But kings make opportunities. And I'm telling you, this is a word for some people. You got to start making opportunities to bless the Lord. My finances seem crazy. My family seems crazy, my man, but I'm telling you, right now is a great opportunity to write a song, lift your voice, say, I'm not a singer. You have the greatest instrument, it's called your voice. It's time to lift our voice and say, Father, you're worthy. How do you do it? Just like this, God, you're worthy. I thank you, you're faithful. And, he, and I'm telling you, you're going to feel weird and it's going to feel uh, different, but I'm telling you, it's called faith and that's what gets God to move. God wasn't concerned that David was in a cave. What got God's attention was David's voice. It was faith that caused him to move. And if you read the story, God moved on his life and God fulfilled the thing. And he was anointed king at 30 years old. But there was a 15 year gap that he was in the middle. In the middle. You can't wait for a good opportunity to bless the Lord. You make one. You make one. Every day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. Well, your bills are jacked up. Your family, what? Today is a great opportunity to bless the Lord. Because what's going to keep your sanity is your voice, not your circumstances. And you got to lift your voice and say, Father, you're worthy. God, you're, we're working things out for me. You're working things out for me. God, it looks crazy. I know. I, but God, I'm not keeping my eyes on what I feel. I'm moving my eyes to you. And you are worthy. And you are great. Help me, Father. Ask him for help in this season and he will help you. I'm telling you, it's time to get your voice back. It's time to discover your voice. It's time to lift your voice. You can't wait for a good opportunity. You'll never have a good opportunity to bless the Lord. You got to make them in the hospital room when the doctor says it ain't working. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. What are you doing? I'm, I'm making a way. Bless worship his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and worship his... What are you doing? I'm getting my sanity back. 
I'm getting my perspective back. Come on, I'm making, I'm getting my confidence back. I'm setting my eyes on you. I'm not setting my eyes on this problem. I'm setting my eyes on you and you are worthy. And you're going to get me out of this situation. So I'm going to bless you. I'm going to lift you up because you are worthy. And your hand is on my life. And, and, and I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. And, and, you, and, you, and I will not forget your benefit. And what do you, you begin to bless the Lord and sing to him and magnify him. And people ain't going to get it. But I'm telling you, that is how you make your way out of the cave. It's not by figuring out your plan, your 401k, getting another job. It's lifting your voice in the middle. Can I get a little? Thank you. I was just helping somebody this morning. Had a lot more where I wanted to go, but we're going to have to wrap it down here. Because there's a lot of songs. You know, we hear this wonderful story. The wonderful. Remember Philippians 4.13? Let's go there real quick. Remember this wonderful verse? I'm sure you probably have it on your fridge. You know, you probably have it in the nice little picture frame somewhere. I can do all things to Christ who gives me strength. Not knocking the scripture because it's a powerful scripture. But do you understand where that scripture came from? It came out of a prison cell when Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the whole book of Philippians. I'm going to help you tonight this morning. We're about to close. The book of Philippians, four chapters. This is the very beginning. You know, he's, he, he's, 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 He's edifying the church and encouraging him and Timothy. And he's going through a lot of problems. Let me list his problems real quick as we close. You know, Paul is encouraging the saints, the believers. This is where the verse comes. You know, he who has begun a good work and you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he's writing this. But let me just tell you why he's writing this to the church and encouraging the church. He's actually in prison in chains. As he's in chains, he's encouraging the church. Also, by the way, he's dealing with people and pre- he's dealing with people that are preaching selfish ambitions. This is where we come. You know, some preach Christ out of this. Some preach Christ out of this. But all I can say is whether Christ is preached. This is all happening as he's in prison trying to get out, but he's stuck. Then in verse 20, he has this moment where he kind of realized he kind of has this moment. He's talking to himself where he's like, you know, I, I kind of want to leave earth and go with my father. And has this kind of whole moment where he's talking to himself within scripture. But in, at the end, he realizes... But you know what's better? It's better that I stay with you. So this is all going. And I would love to say that it gets better for Paul, but it actually doesn't. Then all of a sudden he's trying to send Timothy, but he can't because he realizes I can't. The only person I can send is Timothy because everyone else is selfish and they're seeking their own thing. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to send aid. I'm trying to send people. But I can't. I got selfish ambition people, preachers. They won't help me. And they're actually hindering the gospel. And so he's dealing with this and he's struggling with this. In this moment, Ephroditus, his brother in the ministry, almost dies. You're thinking, God, what are you doing to Paul? He's in prison and you're going to take his brother? But he says, thank God he didn't die because God knows that if he died, I couldn't have handled it, basically. He said, I don't know what I would have done if I would have lost him. And you say, oh, it got better. No. And then a moment now he's warning people because false teachers are coming in the churches and they're lying and they're manipulating people. And they're starting these ministries and they're drawing people to himself. And then at the very end of this chapter, he says, with tears in my eyes, I even have to say that everyone has left me. In fact, all my brothers now have become enemies of the cross. I'm in prison. Having a terrible situation. Having an in the middle moment because God called him to do something great. But yet he's in prison and all his family and resources have left him. And he's by himself stuck in a prison cell. And here we have in Philippians 4 verse 4, the last chapter of Philippians. This is what Paul said, if we can go. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. 
Come on. He knew the importance of lifting his voice. He said, come on. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Come on. I will even say it again. Rejoice. He says, let your gentleness be known. The evident to all. The Lord is near. Come on. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Are you kidding me, Paul? If he's saying, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer, let your requests be known to God with thanksgiving. Oh, wow. He says, verse 7, and the peace of God. Which trends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Finally, brothers, so he begins to talk about whatever's true, whatever's praiseworthy. Put these into practice. Verse 10. Let's move ahead. And he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Here we go. But I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I have learned, uh, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. I'm here to give you a secret this morning. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here's the secret. He says, I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength and the greatest opportunity to complain. He said, the one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say, I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength. In the moment of confusion, he began to make the confession of a lifetime. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Sometimes you need to look at yourself in the mirror and point your finger at your face and say, I can do this in the name of Jesus. Your hand is upon my life, Father. You have great plans for me. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Paul in the middle learned that his circumstance would only change. He said, I could, what a great confession. I can do this. He didn't say, well, I guess you never know his way. He said, I can do this. He said, I can do this. I'm here to tell you, you can do this. As we close, there's a phenomenal story. Hmm. Can you handle one more scripture? This is helping somebody tonight, this morning. What you do right now is... For some people in the room, it's make or break. Live or die. During a moment, God said, you don't see it and you're here. I'm telling you, don't stop lifting your voice to Him. It is what keeps your clarity. It is what will keep your sanity. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Remember the story? You see, I'm hearing what you say in the middle of your circumstance is very important. It will define where you're at with God. It will define your maturity. Again, anybody can praise God at the beginning of a word. Come on, anybody can praise God when a word has come to complete. But what are you doing in the middle? What are you doing when God says, go to the other side and a storm breaks out? A storm breaks down and it's making you question everything. Finances are leaving your house. People are leaving your ministry. But you know that God's called you. You know that God has called you to reach young people. And you know it. And things seem not like it's not happening. What are you doing right now in the middle? Because Jesus said, we're going to the other side. And notice what happened. Notice what happened. He said, we're going to the other side. A storm broke out. And they wake up Jesus. Like, Jesus. Jesus already said, we're going to the other side. And he went to sleep. You want to know why? Because when you give a command, rest is next. You just got to rest, man. God's going to work this thing out. I have no idea, but I'm going to stay in faith. God's going to work this out. 
I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Come on, I'm going to write a song right now. It don't have to rhyme or sound pretty. I can just say, Jesus, Jesus. All you have to do is say his name and it gets his attention when you say it in faith. You don't have to sound pretty. You don't have to rhyme. You can just say, Jesus. So they get and suddenly a storm stopped. You know that Jesus woke up. They woke him up and Jesus rebuked the winds and the waves. Notice this. I'm going to tell you, Jesus would not have been upset. Jesus was not. And he was frustrated, the Bible says. He woke up angry. But Jesus was not upset because his sleep schedule got messed up. He was not upset because, like, seriously, God, I'm tired. He was upset because he realized, why are you not speaking like God? I'm telling you, Jesus would have been like, thank you. If they would have said, Jesus, you sleep. We got it. Peace be still. And I'm telling you, Jesus would have woke up and said, you are getting it, guys. That's it. But here's my question. How many times are we waking God up and asking him to take care of things that he told you to speak to? How many times are we waking God up and saying, God, help me. God said, are you kidding me? I gave you my spirit. Speak to that sickness. Speak to that poverty. Speak to that devil. Don't wake him up anymore. He's giving you his power. Your greatest miracle is in your mouth. Paul and Silas got out of prison, not because they had a a great plan. The plan was their voice. And they began to lift their voice and worship God. And everything around them changed. It's time to lift your voice. We're closing. It's time to get your voice back. It's time to discover your voice. I'm telling you, there's a voice of the kingdom, a voice of clarity, a voice of authority. That we can lay hands on the sick and say, recover. I'm telling you, we're going to see the miracles. I don't want to just hear about them anymore. In fact, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of watching the DVDs and the YouTube videos of all the great moves. Thank God for that. But I want to see it in my life. But you know what? You know how we're going to see it? You'll never sound like somebody you don't know. You're never going to sound like somebody you don't know. What am I saying? If you want to sound like him, you got to spend time with him. Your day has to revolve around him. We can't fit him into our schedule. We can't make it convenient. Following God is not convenient. Getting up in the morning is not fun. But I'm telling you, you got to get up in the morning, spend time with him. You got to say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I just want to breathe you in. I just want to acknowledge you. I want to surround. I'm telling you, the more you surround yourself with him, the more you sound like him. When you let the word of God be the loudest voice in your life, it'll come out. Oh, I'm telling you, when you get in this thing, you'll sound like God. And you'll recognize, man. And you'll you'll and you'll surprise yourself of how bold you will be. But you'll never sound like somebody you don't know. So how do you sound like him? you got to know him. Not just come to church. Anybody can do that. you got to get up in the morning and say, God, I just want to take a few minutes and say, I love you. Read the Bible. Get a daily plan. Learn to hear his voice. Learn to speak like God. Moses and all these mighty men of the Bible, they weren't any more anointed than you. No, no, no. But they knew him. And I want to know him, Chris. I want to know him. I want to know his voice so clearly that he says, speak to the winds and I can speak to it. He'll say, speak to that cancer and I'll speak to it. Because the more I'm around him, the boldness comes and I don't question. Father, we thank you for this moment. Just a kiss. This is what I want to do. As we close, I'm just... I'm going to be bold in this room. I'm not going to lay hands on anybody because I, I felt like God said that's not what's needed. I can't lay hands on you 
But I can't encourage you. It's time to lift your voice. A special anointing is not going to make you lift your voice more. I'm just here to tell you, this is your answer. You're in the middle, and I want to encourage you, don't stop. Begin to continue to say, Father, you're going to work things out. Find out, encourage yourself in the Word of God. Begin to lift your voice. And so, maybe you're here this morning, and you can be bold this morning. Because I realize God honors boldness. If you feel like you're in the middle, stand up. feel like you're in the middle, just stand. We're not going to make you come down. I want to pray for you, not lay hands on you. I just want to encourage you. Okay, you're in the middle. I kind of feel like, Pastor Mark, this church is in the middle, too. I feel like God has given you guys a wonderful opportunity to take this city. You know what I'm saying? You've been given this property, and it is not time to quit. It is not time to question. It is time to continue to do what you've always done. Believe God. Stand with God. Encourage yourself in the Lord. That's why coming to church is so important. You need brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage you on your journey. That's why relationships like Matt and relationships like Mark are so vital in my life. Because when I'm feeling in the middle, I can go to them for encouragement. Say, talk to me because I feel like giving up everything right now. You say, you're weak. No, no, I got flesh. How about you? But what makes you weak is when you listen to your flesh and you allow it to dominate your life. Jesus had flesh, but he said, no, no, I don't listen to that. It is written. It is written.